The following program is recorded content created by the Truth Network. Wake up, everyone. It's time for the Steve Noble Show, where biblical Christianity meets the everyday issues of life in your home, at work, and even in politics. Steve is an ordinary man who believes in an extraordinary God. And on his show, there's plenty of grace and lots of truth, but no sacred cows. Call Steve now at 866-34-TRUTH. That's 866-34-TRUTH. Or check him out online at thestevenobleshow.com. And now, here's your host, Steve Noble. Welcome back. Thank you for being here. I hope you're doing well. I want to get to a bunch of these trans war stories going on out there. I think it's important that we keep shedding light on this issue, this whole battle over gender and what's going on, especially with women's sports and schools and youth. And so... Several stories there that I want to I want to get to, but first I'd like to bring up uh, and get you up to date, and then pray with you for our friend Steve Dace, uh, who's obviously at the Blaze Glenn Beck's network. He's on Monday through Friday from twelve to two. We've been talking about the Nefarious movie the last couple of weeks, and uh, Steve has had some significant health challenges recently, and then he posted this morning on Facebook, and then I've been. Texting back and forth with him, trying to encourage him, sharing scripture with him. And then so I'm going to get you up to speed and then let's all come together and pray for our brother in Christ, Steve, as well as his wife, Amy. So this was this morning Steve posted on Facebook. I'm afraid I have some very discouraging news. Last night I awoke at 1 a.m. here in Rochester, New York, with a spiking fever. When it hit 104, Amy, who's his wife, called 911. The fevers lasted hours and just broke. They are unsure if the MRSA did get into my bloodstream. So he, he picked up MRSA when he was in the hospital just a little over a week ago before Nefarious opened and had a terrible infection. They had to drain like in, in his upper chest, on, like underneath his arm. It's just bad. And so he got MRSA. So they are unsure if the MRSA did get into my bloodstream after all. And I'm septic, which is very dangerous if that's the deal. Or I'm having an allergic reaction to the antibiotic, which is common with this strong of a drug even after you finish it, and I was almost done. My initial labs are good, but until the culture comes back, they won't know for sure, and that could be tomorrow morning. I'm being admitted, but this poor hospital is so overcrowded, they have no beds. I'm in an enclosed tent in a very cramped space. I've seen several people far worse off than me still lined up on beds in the hallways. I felt so bad for them. Just so much despair, I can also hear the staff getting yelled and cussed at by a patient not too far from me. It's even harder on my wife, who still has a torn meniscus and simply cannot get comfortable in this makeshift setting. We can't take visitors to comfort her because there's simply no space, so we are all alone. The spiritual warfare over the Nefarious movie is very real. I'm as discouraged right now as I have been in a long time. And Steve Dace, and he's, you know, most of you know who Steve is. He's been on the show many times. We've been friends for about 10 years, and and that, that, that threw me a little bit. I'm as discouraged right now as I have been in a long time. I'm just being honest with you, as I've always tried to be. If I'm not sweating, I'm sobbing. We both are. Please pray for us to endure, and please pray for this precious hospital staff. They are so overwhelmed. I've never seen anything like this in real life. So that was Steve Dace this morning, and I shared some scriptures with him, and he deeply appreciated that, and I I, uh, put the word out to as many people as I could to uh, pray for he and his wife and— you know, he's he's a tough guy, but he's human. And this is scary. And they've been getting beat up for a few years with the nefarious stuff and, and all the spiritual warfare. I, I shared uh, Psalm 91 with him. 
He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Psalm 91 is super powerful. And then, I, and then interestingly enough, thank you, Lord. I shared with him the Daily Dose devotional today, which was about spiritual depression. Going through the book of Psalms in, in um, Psalm 42. Uh, you would recognize this as a deer pants for flowing streams. So my, uh, so my soul pants uh, for you, oh God, my soul thirsts for you. And it talks about depression and spiritual depression and going through that. Uh, and my, and the, the deer panting after the water isn't a nice summer afternoon. You'd like a cool drink. This is a deer that's essentially starving to death. And, and that's sometimes where you can get Charles Spurgeon captures this honest, uh, reality. Well, this was in the daily dose devotional that I put out Monday through Friday. It's the cry of a man far removed from the outward ordinances and worship of God, sighing for the long-loved house of his God. And at the same time, it is the voice of a spiritual believer under depressions, longing for the renewal of the divine presence, struggling with doubts and fears, but yet holding his ground by faith in the living God. Most of the Lord's family have sailed on the sea, which is here so graphically described. And uh, so I shared that with him, and, and he was grateful for that. So I just wanted to take a couple minutes with you. Uh, to pray over our brother Steve Dace and his wife Amy and uh, all that they're enduring. So let's uh, let's do that. Let's go to the Lord. Father, we thank you that we can come together across the airwaves, across uh, the digital world. Uh, later on, when people watch this later on, they can still pray. You still hear us. And so we praise you and thank you for that. I thank you for my friendship with my brother Steve and his wife Amy. And uh, Lord, thank you for his bold, uh, courageous witness in his voice and his allegiance to the truth and all that you've done to raise him up, to give him a great platform for that Lord. And, uh, but he's hurting and he's, uh, I'm sure scared and, uh, feeling down and discouraged. So I just pray that even right now you would touch him in a special way, Lord, through the spirit, bring people around him there in the hospital. We pray for the hospital staff as he described. It really sounds like a terrible situation there, Lord. So we just pray that your spirit uh, just is active and alive and invading that place. Minister to Steve and Amy in a powerful way and everybody else there as well. Lord, help the staff to deal with their circumstances and the situation. We pray healing in Jesus' name over Steve's body, over in any infection, over the MRSA, if that's the, if that's the situation. If it's the antibiotics kicking back, Lord, we, we thank you that his fever broke. But that can be a very dangerous situation, Lord. You're the great healer, the great physician you know. Steve, right down to every cell and atom of his body. So we just lift him up to you and pray for his healing, for his strength, and for encouragement. Lord, I pray that you would bring believers around both of them to encourage them and strengthen them, even believers on the staff. Uh, but Lord, that you would protect them, put a hedge of protection around them from the schemes of the devil as he continues to fight the good fight of faith and to, to confront the demonic directly with the, with the movie Nefarious, Lord. So we just, I just thank you for his bold witness, his friendship over the years, how much I've learned from him and benefited from our friendship, Lord. And we just pray a special covering over them, even right now. Um, but, Lord, that you would heal him fully, uh, even right now. And by the end of today, Lord, that it would be a completely different story than it was when he first posted this morning. So touch him in a special way. And we know, Lord, that you love him and you died for him and Amy and their family. And we ask that all in Christ's name. Amen. So keep praying for him. Uh, if you follow me on Facebook, which is where I post, uh, the Steve Noble Show or my personal page, as soon as I hear anything else, I'll let you know. I asked him a little, just a little while ago, any updates. 
there wasn't. So just continue to pray for our brother, Steve Dace. When we come back, updates on the trans war, which is alive. And I actually think we're starting to win. We'll be right back. back at Steve Noble, the Steve Noble Show. We're going to continue to speak loud and clear on this transgender issue. In terms of public policy, what's happening in women's sports? So when I say a trans war, of course, I have no interest in declaring war on another human being made in the image of God, no matter how uh, messed up they are, mentally ill, depraved, whatever, whatever the situation may be. They're, we're all, every single human being made in the image of God, which is how you come up with the sanctity of human life. And then you have a range of our brokenness, our depravity, our sin, the deception of the world, the flesh, and the devil, which is pretty much all at play in this whole trans movement, especially when it comes to the effect of men uh, trying to take over women's sports. And so we talked about that earlier this week. Uh, Riley Gaines was in town with the North Carolina legislature, which I want to get to. But uh, a couple of things here I want to get through these stories quickly just to keep you up to date and let you know what's going on here. Uh, with this movement, which I think is is now turning in uh, the direction of sanity. Audrey Hale, who was the uh, tra- transgendered uh, murderer in Nashville, it was 25 days ago. Where's the manifesto, right? Uh, about a month after, authorities have yet to release a motive or any of the writings seized from her home. Despite growing pressure, Representative Tim Burchett from Tennessee told uh, the Post, he knew that the FBI was behind the delay, saying the news was disappointing and calling for documents to be released to grieving loved ones as well as members of Congress. The manifesto, quote, could maybe tell us a little bit about what's going on inside of her head, he added. I think that would answer a lot of questions. 20 journals, five laptops, a suicide note, and various other notes written by uh, her were seized from the house she shared with her parents as well as two memoirs, five Covenant School yearbooks, and seven cell phones. Metro Nashville Council member uh, Courtney Johnston confirmed to the Post the FBI was already had already ruled the manifesto would not be released anytime soon. The FBI. Isn't that interesting? Anybody have a trust issue there? Quote, what I was told is uh, her manifesto was a blueprint on total destruction, and it was so, so detailed at the level of what she had planned uh, that the, the document in the wrong person's hands would be astronomically dangerous, she added. Johnson said parts of Hale's writings would eventually come out, but added she feels the vast overwhelming majority of it presented too much of the danger to the public. Well, redact the stuff like that and release the rest of it. If the FBI is involved, that means the Department of Justice is involved, which means Merrick Garland's involved and and, and, uh, Joe Biden, to whatever extent he understands what's happening, but certainly his handlers and the people around him. And I guarantee you the FBI's combed through the whole thing. The president, they've all been told exactly what's in there. They probably all have copies of it. And they're like, yeah, we're not going to do this because they're so in the corner of the transgender movement. Because it's just the next in a long line of uh, oppressed minorities. That's the game they play. Who's next to put on the plantation? And that's just the game that these guys play in their depraved minds and their Romans one reprobate minds. And so we'll see what happens. I mean, the girl unleashed 152 bullets during her 14-minute killing spree. It's a miracle that more people didn't die. But that information is going to be very harmful to the trans movement who likes to paint itself as the main victim here, as opposed to, in this case, Christians. And, and I guarantee you the Biden administration and the whole left and trans movement, they don't want any of that stuff coming out. Now, they're going to say it's because they're worried about backlash, but you haven't had uh, – white Christians of any color out there gunning down transgender people. You had a transgender girl gunned down six Christians. Let's remember the facts here. 
So moving on with some of these stories. Trans women showered, uh, a trans woman, that's a guy, showered with four Wisconsin high school girls. Uh, violated their privacy. So there's a, there's a lawsuit going on. Uh, this was at the Wisconsin-based Sun Prayer Area School District. And uh, the transgender woman, that's a man, the high school, after gym, uh, goes into the shower. They, they were doing swimming that day. The girls left, they have their swimsuits on, and they're in there just showering off. And then he comes in and undresses and gets in the shower. And at first he had his back turned to them. Then he turned around. And he said, oh, yeah, by the way, I'm trans, as if that helps. So you got a you got an 18-year-old boy in there, naked, in the high school shower with girls. And and the girls complaining, they're they're the they're the wicked people, right? They're the terrible people. So hopefully this lawsuit and the attorney that's representing them, they're gonna go after this. Here's what the school district says. An attorney who represents the school district uh, told Fox News Digital that the district had read the letter and claimed that the letter provides neither an accurate nor complete account of the events that occurred. Right. Further, the incident that is the subject of the letter is a confidential pupil matter, and the district is prohibited by law, including the Wisconsin Pupils Records Statute, from disclosing any information about specific pupils in the district. Nobody's asking you to tell everybody his name. We're asking you to deal with the fact that you got an 18-year-old boy exposing himself in the girls' locker room. Which up until the madness of a couple years ago would have probably been a crime. But now it's a virtue signal by these people. So there's that. So hopefully they're going to get put in their place on that one. And then this was a young woman that spoke down at the North Carolina legislature earlier this week. I didn't even know about this story. Uh, She suffered a concussion after being injured by a trans athlete. So she's playing volleyball in high school and a guy claiming to be a girl plays on the opposing team. So you got a big, strong dude in there playing volleyball. He spiked one and and hit her right in the face. I mean, I suffered from a concussion and a neck injury. To this day, I'm still recovering. Other injuries I still suffer from today include impaired vision, partial paralysis on my right side, constant headaches, as well as anxiety and depression. She was also talking about... uh, it's harder for her to concentrate, all kinds of other things. I'm here for every biological female athlete behind me. My little sister, my cousins, my teammates. Allowing biological males to compete against biological females is dangerous. But liberals don't really care about women. It's just the next idol to bow down to. So here in North Carolina, praise the Lord, both the House and the Senate passed slightly different versions of the uh, Fairness in Women's Sports Act. In the House, they took it all the way up through college. In the Senate, they just did middle school and high school, and now they have to work through that. They have a veto-proof majority on this and the vote. So if our crazy governor, Cooper, decides to protect a transgenders people's a twisted worldview instead of girls, well, that wouldn't shock me at all. But then they can just roll him over and roll over his veto. And that's the way it's supposed to work. That's called the rule of law. You win elections, and then you have power. And then just to confirm where the left is going, uh, not just here in the United States, but around the world. I mentioned this story the other day about the U.N. So now, because um, they're trying to make a case for pedophilia, that'll be the next thing. You can't call them pedophiles anymore, by the way. They're MAPs, minor, minor attracted people, persons. So a group of Republican senators is demanding the U.N. Uh, ambassador from America, Linda Thomas-Greenfield, condemn a report. In that report is what I mentioned the other day. Uh, Moreover, sexual conduct involving persons below the domestically prescribed minimum age of consent to sex may be consensual, in fact, if not in law. In this context, the enforcement of criminal law should reflect the rights and capacity of persons under 18 years of age to make decisions about engaging in consensual sexual contact 
conduct and their right to be heard in matters concerning them. So, yeah, so a 45-year-old man can have sex with a 12-year-old or 13-year-old boy or girl. And if the 13-year-old boy or girl says, hey, I know exactly what I'm doing, then you're supposed to just look the other way. Let it happen. That's what's next. Homosexuality in general, then it was gay marriage, and then uh, transgender. No, and it'll never be transgenderism. Yes, it is. And then it's going to be pedophilia. No, it'll never be pedophilia. Now it's MAPS, and now it's the UN. So we'll see what happens there. But I think the the vast majority of Americans are like, this is ridiculous. This is like third-grade-level understanding to get this right. And it's so sick what the left is doing to the transgender community as well who doesn't know any better. There's just so much demonic activity there, so lost, so dark. Pray, be kind, compassionate, but speak the truth for the Lord and for the people caught up in the lie of the transgender movement. This is Steve Noble. We'll be right back. Not sure we're going to get to talk to uh, Brad Formsma, who's the founder of Generous Classroom, generousclassroom.com. We've got a a luncheon here on Monday with some dear friends of mine who are very active in the generous giving, uh, generous living uh, ministry world. And there's actually generous living and generous giving are actually organizations that are out there. I like giving is something else that Brad Formsma is part of. I think he's calling right now. And so they're doing a luncheon on Monday for educators, trying to get uh, more educators, especially Christian educators. That's what it's focused on, to start teaching our kids at a young age uh, about generosity. We're like, yeah, 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 I know we're supposed to be a a, a God loves a a cheerful giver. And we talk about uh, tithing and nobody likes to talk about that. And so when the pastor is going to talk about tithing, everybody's like, oh, boy, here we go. Another capital campaign. And there's there are so many benefits to being generous. I mean, we struggle with that ourselves, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Noble, and it's hard to let go. Uh, but that's when you know that uh, your money is calling the shots. And that was never the point. Uh, we're supposed to rule over our money, not vice versa. So if we can teach young people and get them going down this road, uh, from the get-go, that, that's really what is the goal here. So I'm excited to learn more about Generous Classroom uh, on Monday at this lunch here in Raleigh and then uh, and see where the Lord takes it from there. But this is definitely a movement that we need to see inside the church. And a lot of us, it's like, I owe, I owe, so off to work I go, right? And we're like, eh, you know, I, I, I know tithing a uh, gross or net. Do I tithe on the gross? Do I tithe on the net? What if I get a bonus? And then, which is the whole problem, when you're, when you're trying to figure out a way, you're going you're gonna to massage the system a little bit, right? Yeah, I mean, it's net. We, have, we owe a lot of money. We have a big mortgage. We've got a new car payment, blah, 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 blah. And so we become uh, slaves. And we're not supposed to be slaves, obviously. We're supposed to be free, free in deed. And money, which is why we do Money Monday every week uh, on Mondays, it, it's... Over 800 times in the Bible, it talks about money and possessions. It's obviously a big issue for all of us. And, and it really, the interesting thing about it is that it doesn't really matter whether you have a whole lot or a medium amount or a, just a little bit, like probably most of us, or next to none. 
for just about everybody, money and possessions uh, is an issue at some level. And it and it's hard to be generous because I think, you know, is it that we don't trust the Lord? So he's like, hey, throw open the doors of the barn and test me. It's like the only time in scripture. He's like, go ahead and test me on this one. You can test me. And we struggle with it. Uh, I was never taught about generous living or generosity as a lifestyle when I was a kid. I hardly heard about it. Uh, being in church and and uh, from the pulpit, you know, every once in a while the tithe. But not just generosity in general. Like, why should I be a generous person? What's, uh, what's the Lord up to when it comes to generosity? So I think we've got uh, Brad Formsma on the line. I think they're just talking to him, trying to make sure the connection is good. Are we good to go? Trying to find out if we can talk to Brad. So that's generousclassroom.com is the website, generousclassroom.com. I think we're good. Let me see if I can get Brad in here. Brad, are you there? I'm here. Hey, thanks so much for calling in. It's great to have you. I appreciate your persistence. <laughs> Sorry about that. I'm glad it worked out. Generousclassroom.com. Uh, how, how did you, and I want to definitely spend time talking about Generous Classroom in the, in the curriculum itself. As You probably know this by now. I teach like 150 high school homeschoolers every week, so I'm very interested in what we're doing educationally. But how did you get involved just in the whole generosity movement in general? Well, uh, great to be talking with you. Can you take me from the top and help me understand a little bit about your wonderful audience and who we're talking to today? Conservative Christians. <laughs> and my age, probably around your age, so a conservative Christian audience on conservative Christian talk radio stations all over North Carolina. Okay, great. So is there a way that we can talk a little bit in terms of a, a more conservative, private, Christian, Catholic school, and then also how we address the homeschool population with our generous students program on my show. You can do whatever you want to. I mean, we're live on the air right now. So you speak however you feel led. And I want to get people educated on this, kind of get them in the shallow end of the pool. So they start to understand that this resource is actually out there for the various All organizations right. that you mentioned. So fire away. All right. I'm, I'm well, with let's you. Hit it. I, I think it's important for us to go back a little bit to the Genesis. I had the, privilege of a grandpa who modeled the generous life to me when I was in my early teens. And I began to notice something in his life. I began to see how he was generous with money, but he went way beyond that. He would be generous with his words and his influence and the way he shared his belongings and, and his time, etc. And so as I went through business for a number of years, um, I started to realize that I was really an entrepreneurial spirit, life, passion is giving guy. (laughs) And those six words really began to frame up for me where I would spend the second half of my career. So I started an organization called I Like Giving (laughs) in 2010, which is all around inspiring people to live generously. And so we do that in three areas. We do it through generous business, and through generous family, and through generous classroom. So if you'd like, I can unpack some of those for you, but great to be on your program. It's great to have you, Brad. And again, I appreciate uh, your time to talk about it. And uh, yeah, wherever you think, uh, I mean, I talk about education a lot. As I mentioned, I, I teach high school age homeschoolers. I have for 11 years. And so I'm all about uh, reaching, especially the younger we can reach them with these very, very important topics 
uh, and generosity is something I said at the at the start of this segment before we got you on the air. That this is something that most of us struggle with. It doesn't matter whether you're uh, 65, 55, 45, and the Bible speaks a lot to issues of money and possessions. So when it comes to education, uh, I really want to make sure we, we have a full understanding of like, what Generous Classroom is all about because I know that the, the generation coming behind us probably is going to be struggling with this subject like a lot of us do. Well, for sure, and I think we would both uh, agree that if we looked out there, we're, we're keenly aware that um, there's something going on in our society that's very troubling. And it's a combination of some things emotionally, mental health related, where we have people, particularly after the pandemic, who are relationally challenged on how to engage. There's more anxiety than ever. There's more frustration, even some We've seen upticks even in affluent areas with suicide, and so clearly something's missing. We, after having 3,000 kids go through a pilot program we created called Generous Students, we began to see a really bright light of hope. Mm -hmm. You see, at the beginning of taking over 3,000 kids through the program, we assessed them and found out that they didn't know what giving or generosity was. And they didn't know about seven ways that we run everything through at I Like Giving. And I'll explain those for your, your audience, the seven ways of living generously. But they also weren't talking about it in their home. Yeah. And so afterwards, we surveyed them again and found out that not only did over 95% of them know what giving and generosity meant, and not only did they have a clear understanding of the seven ways, but they were also talking about it in the home, mm. in the, with the family. And so that's when we started to realize there's a possibility here that is so beyond what we could have ever imagined, where when you take a student and help them in this formative years of 8 to 12 years old, and it can be younger and older, but... There's a band of time in there where a child goes from concrete to abstract learning, and generosity is an abstract concept. Mm -hmm. But that's where we first establish our morals, values, and our worldview. So for us and our team of, of wonderful administrators and former teachers, we started to realize if we can help them first establish their biblical worldview on the generous life when they're in this most formidable age, then research shows us that these kids tend to become lifelong givers. And that's really our motto for the education space is creating lifelong givers. Now let's talk about the seven ways because Yeah, I'm gonna I'm I gonna stop your... you right there, Brad, just because we're up on the break. So we're gonna take a commercial break and then when we come back, let's unpack those seven points that we want to go through and make sure everybody understands. Does that sound good? Absolutely. I'm sorry to run right up to your shot clock. <laughs> it's all right, don't worry about it. I'm gonna put you on hold. We're gonna work on your connection as well, and then we'll come back and talk about that those seven points. The curriculum to learn more about it, and this is like like Brad said, you, this goes all the way down to like kindergarten through second grade, sixth through eighth grade. Generousclassroom.com is the website. And think about generosity. Are you generous with your time? When you're a kid, are you generous with your toys? And then we roll right into money. 
I think this is something we all need work on, but maybe we can see a change if we work with the kids. We'll be right back. Welcome back. It's the Steve Noble. I like to be generous with good music. Generosity in a lot of other areas, not so easy. On, on uh, With my friends on Facebook Live during the commercial break, I was just reminding all of us, and we know this. I mean, when you're growing up and you're just a little kid, how generous are you with anything? Yeah. Hey, you want, anybody want to share my toys? Anybody want to share some of my ice cream? No, we, we don't really do the generosity thing. Uh, all that well, that's contrary to our fallen, sinful human nature. We're hoarders. That's who we are in our sinful nature. But the Lord calls us to be uh, generous and cheerful in all of that. That's one of the only places in Scripture. He's like, test me. Just be generous. Test me. And, and just watch and see if I don't throw open the barn doors and bless you through all of that. And so generosity, which is not just financial. Okay. Are you generous with your time? Are you generous with your talents, your abilities, your spiritual gifting? Uh, but Hey, I'm too busy. I wish I could help. I can't. That's a generosity problem because we're not being generous with our time. So there's a lot here to unpack. And especially if we can teach these concepts that Brad's going to walk us through, uh, to our children, then you get them going down the right road. And, and like Brad was saying, they actually can learn this stuff. And a lot of us are a whole lot older and we still haven't learned it, but Brad, it's so great to have you on. Thank you so much for your time. Great to be here with you. Okay, so you mentioned seven points, so let's just dive right into that. Sure. Well, we uh, formulated the seven ways of living generously. And so number one is generosity of thoughts towards ourselves and others. Number two is generosity of words. Number three, generosity of money. And then number four, influence. Number five, time. Number six, attention. And number seven, the way we share our belongings. Mm. That's a powerful list, Brad. It's a powerful list. And the thing is, is that you can do it daily, weekly, monthly. In my best-selling book, I Like Giving, The Transforming Power of a Generous Life, we have 44 short stories that are from age 8 to 98 that just move people from awareness to action. But what we learned after that book came out is that our second book really clearly addressed the need for unpacking that giving isn't just about money. It's a part. Mm -hmm. But what God talks about being generous on every occasion, I think he's opening us up to this idea of a generous life. And so uh, we created the book Everyday Generosity, Becoming a Generous Family in a Selfie World. I actually co-authored it (laughs) with my son. That's a good title. And the whole idea there was to really help unpack the seven ways. So imagine a classroom setting. There's disregard for teachers. doesn't matter if it's a Christian school or not. They're probably right. learning it in some respects from a parent. But it's very hard to um, be generous when you're a jerk. And <laughs> so what I mean by that is, you know, correcting someone to say, how could you say that and be generous with your words? Uh, Another thing is, how are we including our friends and sharing our friendships and relationship? Or what about in this world of high distraction inside of our family and maybe inside of our relationships? How many times do you see this incredible disregard for being fully present? We call that attention. 
and it's uh, it's unbelievable. I mean, you've got more people with their head down in their phone walking mm-hmm. across busy streets, completely disengaged. You know how powerful it is to have someone appreciate you being there? Like, there you are. I'm going to engage with you. I'm going to look at you. I'm not going to keep looking at my phone. Uh, crazy amounts of impact when we're fully present with somebody. We long remember how someone made us feel more than what they said. Yeah, that's right. And so that generosity of attention is, is, is strong. But we're bringing this in to classrooms across the nation through our Generous Students program. It's grade-specific, kindergarten through eighth grade. So if an administrator says, we want a culture of generosity in our school, we are your source. We're the largest creator of generosity content in the world with over 140 million viewings of our short films. That's where we started back in 2010. And so we've taken all of our expertise, everything we've learned, and we've put it together in what we say is virtually a uh, low-to-no-prep lessons yeah. to biblically immerse content around the generous life. But this is all designed to help people live and kids, help kids live a better life. You know, when we're grateful, we can't be anxious. It's the way God made our mind. You can't have gratitude and anxiety in the same time in the same space in your brain. Right. And so what happens if we move towards gratitude to reduce anxiety versus another prescription? What do you think about that? Yeah, I love that. And, the, and, and, and I keep coming back to you in my mind as you're unpacking this. And, and again, I think it's so awesome that when, when we hear, oh, hey, we want to teach you about generosity, just about all of us, Brad, and I'm sure you've been dealing with this for as long as you've been in this movement and being a pioneer, we think money but money's only one thing on this list. And you mentioned the book, the second book that you, you co-authored with your son, and you mentioned in a selfie world. We live in a world right now that is programming all of us, especially our youth, that it's all about you and everything's about you. And guess what? When you're going to live your life and you're the idol, everything's going to come up short. Nothing's going to work for you. You're going to be depressed, anxious. That's why suicidal thoughts and ideation and all those things, especially with teen girls, a report that just came out recently – Man, it's a nightmare, and the, and the opposite end of that spectrum is what you're talking about. It's generosity. Well, you know what? Try it. <laughs> Try waking up every day. Every one of our lessons, every one of our lessons starts with a one-minute gratitude exercise, and it's designed to exercise your gratitude muscles so you don't have the same three things every day over and over and over you find new things to be grateful for. There's so much to be grateful for. And when you're grateful, this is what happens. You want what you already have. (laughs) You become content. And you become others-focused. And your bodies were designed to respond positively when you give. And, you know, when we read in Galatians, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people. Amen very clear that it's not just about financial giving. In fact, when I hear about the world of the generous getting larger and larger and the world of the stingy getting smaller and smaller, <laughs> just all you got to do is look at your relationships. Yep. And, you, and, you know, research shows us about what happens to our physical health when we're generous. Many reports say 
you live 10 years longer and take half the medicine, but you also have better relationships. You think about this. Do you ever introduce yourself, or excuse me, do you ever introduce your friends to somebody that you know isn't generous? Like you never say, you've got to meet Stingy Sally. She's amazing. Go out to lunch with her. She'll point to the special over and over, and then when the check comes, it's really weird, and she just sits there and doesn't grab the check right away. Mm, You never introduce to Stingy Sally. You always say, "Oh my word, Tom and Mary—they're so—they're so generous. You got to meet them. They share their home. They, they invite people. You know, this event that we're going to be a part of—that's another form of generosity, yep, right? right? Think yeah, about and t- that. And then—and they are two of the most generous people I know. <laughs> and, and they're also—you know—you know them. You, you get around them, you're like, yeah, there's something going on in their lives that's a little bit different than a lot of other people I know. And—and it's—and it all comes back to that generous. Giving, generous living, generous classroom. It's all the same thing. Uh, yes and amen. The, uh, you mentioned another word. I, I, I always write down things when I'm talking to somebody and listening and trying to learn. Uh, content, contentment, when Paul actually said contentment with godliness is great gain. It's not like it's like a mediocre return. It's great gain. And contentment is something that's very, very difficult to achieve. Paul had to learn it. It didn't just come easily. And that's why with, with young people, and I love this about the whole notion of the generous classroom, generousclassroom.com. I put the links up on the Facebook Live uh, feed today, Brad, that, that you can learn that. You mentioned that when we first started talking, that these young people are actually – Learning, they're understanding a huge increase in their ability to understand being generous and actually living a generous life. And, and that's a really encouraging. So true, so true. And you know what? We have to address this, that generosity is just money. But, you know, if you think about it from a spiritual perspective, if you're the enemy, wouldn't you want that? Wouldn't you want somebody to think that they could be stingy with their time, stingy with their words? I mean, Really? When you Absolutely. think about affirmation, we're, we all are starving for affirmation. It's mm-hmm. just that most of us won't admit it. I'll admit it. I like, I like it when somebody sure. tells me, I'm sure you do too. Of course. And it has to be genuine, and it has to be with trust and specific. But it's a game changer yep. to tell somebody they did a good job and specifically how. Since you mentioned books, and we have about a minute left, and we got to wrap it up, and I'm looking forward to meeting you in person on Monday. Since you mentioned books, have you ever heard of a book, uh, Brad, called The Go-Giver? Sure. I love that book. A friend of mine that's in the movie business, Christian movie business, we both, when we meet people, I'm always, I have a Rolodex in my head, and I'm thinking about who can you help? And who can help you? As I get to know you and hear what you're doing, I'm like, okay, you need to call this person. This person could probably benefit from your knowledge, whatever. And he goes, man, you got to read this book, The Go-Giver. And The Go-Giver is just about being generous. It's, it's so cool that this all just keeps coming back to the truth of God's word, which is exactly what we're talking about uh, on Monday. I've got several friends that are coming out on Monday, Brad, so we're excited for that. Generous Classroom. Dot com is the website, generousclassroom.com. Our children can actually learn to be generous, not just with money. Thoughts, words, money, influence, time, attention, and belonging. Brad, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks for calling in. I look forward to seeing you on Monday. That's just great. I can't wait to see you, too. And if you're in the homeschool space, go to generousfamily.com and bring your family into generous students. Awesome. So great. Brad, we'll see you on Monday. Have a great weekend. This is Steve Noble on The Steve Noble Show. God willing, I'll talk to you again real soon. And like my dad always used to say, ever forward.
another program powered by the Truth Network.